Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Lady T, and you are listening to Consensus Pod. Here on Consensus Pod, we discuss faith, family, and how to navigate modern society as a member of a nuclear family structure. Um, Today, I'm going to be picking up where I left off last episode with our discussion on love. Of course, if you listened in to my last episode, it was titled Love is a Verb, uh, It Requires Action. Now, though, grammatically speaking, love is actually a noun, but in this sense, we're going to go with what we know, and that love is not just an emotion, it's something that you have to act on. So, last episode, I spoke on love for the family, or love for your spouse. This episode, we're going to continue in part two with what love requires of parents toward their children. And modern society, the difference between modern societies definition of parental love and what God himself says about uh, what God himself has, has established as parental love. So let's get into it. Roll music. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are picking up tonight uh, with a follow-up to my last episode, which was love is a verb. It requires action. Now, of course, I know grammatically speaking that love is a noun, not a verb, but um, I don't know anyone who wouldn't agree that love does not require action. Well, last episode, we talked about love require the uh, action rather uh, love requires regarding marriage and the partner between husband and wife. This episode, we're going to talk about the action required um, between parents in, uh, to build a loving relationship with their children. And I think I want to approach this, this uh, episode from the perspective of discipline. And I feel that, you know, among all things that... Uh, what we, a lot of us would agree that our children need more now than anything is discipline. However, when you say that, people assume that you're talking about correction or punishment. And while that may be true, there are more children that would benefit from, uh, there are a lot of children that would benefit from more correction. There's also a lot of children that would benefit from discipline in terms of personal responsibility, limitations, uh, and boundaries, you know, and a solid set standard of expectations. But we don't talk about that. And the reason why we don't talk about that is because we are the generation of parents who has decided that it is better to try to be our children's friends instead of being their parents. And the two roles cannot be mixed and confused. From a psychological standpoint, a child's Friends should come with from within his or her own peer group, and a peer group would be someone in similar, someone similar in age to them. I love my children with all my heart, but I am not in their peer groups, <laughs> and neither is any other parent. That being said, uh, in order for us to be the parents that we need to be, we need, probably need to just return to our old values and establish an understanding between our children that we love you, but we are not your friends. We are your disciplinarians. We are your authoritative. We are your authority. We are your caregivers. We are your guides. We are your mentors. We are your parents. Um, But that 
is, is going to require a lot of work. Now, as I said a few minutes ago, when I talk in terms of discipline, I'm talking things like limitations and boundaries, a set standard of expectations, of course, correction, yes, but also modeled behavior. And I think I want to approach this from a biblical perspective like I did last episode regarding love. And of course, all of these things done in the right manner, they reflect love from parent to children. So what exactly does the Bible say about discipline? Well, it says a lot of things. And you look no farther than either opening your own Bible or if you want to take the lazy route, you can go type, what does the Bible say about disciplining your children in the Google search engine and click on the link to openbible.info and you're given a list of chapters and verses regarding uh, discipline from the Old and New Testament. And one that is sticking out to me right now is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. It says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And of course, that could piggyback on the uh, verse that says, you know, train your child up in the way that he will go. Whenever he is older, he will not depart from it. So what does it mean to train up a child in the way that he should go. That is actually an act of discipline. It takes discipline. And what that means is, well, the first verse, Hebrews chapter 11, or Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, speaks to discipline in the form of correction. And of course, we know from the Bible that a fool despises correction, but a wise man embraces it. And if we want to raise our children to be wise, we have to raise them to embrace correction and understand that correction is for your own good rather than someone just trying to uh, control or stifle you. Or as a lot of kids like to whine that your parents just don't let you do whatever you want. And I've had that conversation with my now 12 year old and I gave it to her straight. Like my parents used to give to me that if I let you do whatever you want, then that is a clear sign that I don't love you because in doing whatever you want, you're going to end up eventually doing something that could cause you harm. And if you cause harm to yourself or if you start down that road and I don't stop you, uh, then I'm not doing my job as a mother, which means I'm failing to show you you're, I'm failing to care for you. I'm failing to nurture you. I'm failing to protect you. And I'm failing to love you because all of those things are done out of love. And she hasn't uh, complained of that. She hasn't given me that complaint since. But for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But yet later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Well, trained by discipline, meaning trained by correction. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives him far from it. The Bible emphasizes correction. And that is something that if you speak about today, we sadly associate correction with child abuse. If you correct your children, you're abusing them. I remember the big debate uh, that started like when I was a kid around the topic of spanking. And then, of course, the alternative to spankings were timeout. Well, interestingly enough, after a period of time when we decided that spanking was abuse and the better alternative was to place your child in a timeout corner until he or she could collect him or herself and uh, examine their actions and really make a better choice the second go around, 
Um, a few years back, I actually read an article on the internet where an unnamed team of psychologists deemed timeouts to be a form of child abuse. I said that it was abuse by uh, isolation. And I thought that that was a load of crap. First off, there was an un- no one, n- not any place in that article was the team of supposed psychologists named and they didn't offer an alternative. At least when it came to spanking, the alternative of, of timeouts were used. Uh, but in this particular instance, it was nothing. It was just nothing. And the problem with that is you have parents that are reading these things and listening to these things and forgetting that it is their job to discipline and correct their children. And then, so they're not doing it. They're failing to correct their children. Well, what happens is your children go up and they get in about five years old and they enter into school and they have no discipline in, from the home and the schools don't enforce rules or, or set limits and boundaries either. And so the child doesn't learn restrictions at home because the parents think that correction is child abuse and the schools don't set limits or boundaries and they don't enforce rules. They don't even have rules. And the kid doesn't learn that there are certain actions that are and behaviors that are inappropriate. And so what happens is the school system has a solution to this and it is a, what they do now is rather than correcting the child, they, assign them some form of a behavioral disorder, even in the case where there's no person working at the school who has the uh, qualifications to do so. And you have children put on medication that don't necessarily need to be on it. Now, I'm not saying that there are not children who do not need ADHD medicines because there are, but that's not every child. Some kids just need a little discipline, a little structure, and they'll be fine. And had we not softened the parents and have we not weakened parents and not softened them and convinced them it's better to try to be a friend to their kids than it is to be a disciplinarian, a guide, a uh, nurturer, a protector, then we wouldn't be having this problem, at least not at this rate. So one thing that I think that we have to do is get back to disciplining our children in correction. But we also need to learn to discipline them in instruction. And there's actually a verse in the, there are several verses in the Bible that speak about, you know, discipline through instruction. Proverbs chapter 13, verse one says, a son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Whoever, Proverbs 15, verse 32, whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. When it talks about instruction, it talks about the passing of knowledge from father to son, our father to children, parent to child, of course, because mothers instruct their children, their sons and their daughters as well. But, and I believe if you go back and listen to the first episode of my, of this season, you will understand just how important the fathers are by examining what happens when they're not there. So we discipline our children through correction. We discipline them through instruction and gaining, helping them to become wise. We pass wisdom on to them. That is a form of discipline because what we're doing is educating our children and giving them a knowledge that the world doesn't want them to have. 
And with that knowledge, they have the tools and the keys to make the best decisions in any given scenario. They have the tools and the keys that they need to stand firm in their morals and stand in their integrity and in their principles without the world being able to manipulate them into turning away from those things. When we instruct our children and do so in a manner that is good and godly and whole, we are instilling in them something that the world cannot take from them. And honestly, and I, I thought that I was one of a few people that don't, that noticed this, but we are living in a very anti-Christian culture. And uh, it's the world is literally out to try to turn as many of our people away from the gospel as is at least that's the way I see it. I mean, you may think you may see things differently, but from my standpoint, it's the attack on Christianity is everywhere and it's coming from all angles and it's coming in many different forms. And I keep hearing the same two uh, accusations being raised against Christianity that Christianity is racist and Christianity is sexist. And if you actually open your Bible up and read through it, you will find out that those two things are completely not true. First off, the notion of race didn't exist until about seven, so the 1700s. And it was an invention of a man here in America to uh, create a hierarchy of people based on skin co color. The Bible doesn't mention race. It mentions tribes, but it doesn't necessarily mention race. Race was not a thing at the time when the Bible was written and when it was first translated. Now, as far as sexism of the Bible, that is also not true because what we learn is that there are certain roles that men and women uh, adhere to at that time and for many different reasons, okay? Furthermore, uh, and for the greatest of, the, of these reasons is that the world was a lot more, it was a lot harder to survive back then. You had certain things that uh, was necessary work for men because they were stronger, they were bigger, they were larger, they were more capable of handling certain situations where women were not. Furthermore, and I'm taking, you know, this kind of still stands today. If a, when women become mothers, we're, we're wrapped up in the duty of motherhood. And that doesn't change because society wants it to. The natural bond from a child to his or her mother, especially in the formative two years, is not going to change just because society and feminism and culture decides that it wants it to change. It's just not going to. It's not, bi it's not how we're biologically wired and it's not how our children thrive and survive. Um, but back to what I was saying. So, um, when you give your kids that wisdom, that biblical wisdom, you are instilling in them the strength to stand tall and stand firm in their principles and their morals and their integrity and their faith and face head on a world that is determined to tear them against, uh, to tear them away from and turn them against everything that is good and godly and whole and pure and, we have to fight 10 times harder to make sure that our kids do not uh, remove, do not move away from the gospel and our principles. We have to fight harder now than we have ever had to fight before. So discipline through 
uh, and love through discipline, meaning discipline and correction and discipline and instruction, but also discipline in honor. There is honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land. That teaches obedience. That is another form of discipline. Discipline your children by teaching them to be obedient. It is your it is your right as a parent to expect that the children under your roof are to going to be obedient to you and do as you say. That is something that we as parents, and I'm talking generally speaking, not individually, but generally speaking, parents have lost their uh, their strength when it comes to setting expectations for obedience in their children. We have become soft, we've become weak, and we've started to bow to our children and cave to their wants rather than instructing them and giving them the basic tools and uh, that we need and expecting and demanding, not just expecting, but demanding respect and obedience from our children. And that is one of the problems with this generation. The children think that they run things when they don't have the necessary, they don't have the life skills or the tools to run anything. They can't fend for themselves, but they want you to cave to them instead of them to obey you. They want, they don't want to obey their parents. They want the parents to obey them. And society has created that monster. So we have love expressed in discipline and discipline broken down into the forms of correction. Then we have love as a form of discipline in instruction. And last but not least, love as a, in the form of discipline as an example. And what verse speaks out to me when I think about this is uh, train up a child in the way that he shall go. And when he is older, he will not depart from it. Of course, training a child up in the way that he should go. Part of training a child up includes um, modeling the behavior that you expect for your children. So if you want your children to be people of character, then you need to, a good character, I should say, then you need to be a person of good character. If you want your children to be people of moral integrity and principles, then you need to be a person of moral integrity and principles. If you want your children to be honest, you need to be honest. If you want your children to be uh, trustworthy, you need to be that. And I think that this is something that parents have ten have forgotten. There used to be a saying, you know, do as I say, not as I do. And parents found out that that was not a appropriate model for training a child because children learn based on what they see. Part of, you know, the behaviors that they see around them shapes their character. And so if you have a child that has grown up in a situation that is full of dysfunction and uh, abuse and, and, you know, toxicity, then they're going to embrace and they become abusive. They become toxic. They become dysfunctional. But if you have a child that is raised in order and, uh, and, and calm and, you know, given proper love and guidance and structure, then that child grows up and becomes a person who exhibits those things, proper guidance, proper structure, morals, um, order, discipline in the form of hard work and ethics. And when I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about the cultures of the neighborhoods that I grew up in. 
because from one neighborhood to the next, they were completely different. When I was living in the hood, the culture was one of dysfunction and chaos and uh, danger because I, I, you never felt safe living there. You knew that at any moment something bad could happen to you, and if it did, the neighbors, the neighborhood would not look out for your best interest. Instead, what it would do is try to cover the tracks of those who harmed you because they did that all the time. They called it the no snitching uh, code. And that's something that I, I since have left the neighborhood and vow to never again embrace. And I refuse to teach my kids that. And I won't let anyone else teach that to them either. However, living in the suburbs taught me that there was another way of doing things. And that is because the culture was different. The culture was one based upon love for your neighbor, love for yourself, love for your family, respect for yourself, respect for your family, respect for others, respect for your community, respect for the things, the places, and the people around you. And therefore, it created an environment of safety, one of uh, security, and one where you could feel, um, you know, you felt at home. Well, that was because... All of that goes back to the homes and how the people in those neighborhoods lived. On the one hand, you have people that were very disciplined and they raised their children in a manner that spoke to um, being the good and the well-being, not only of themselves, but of other people. And on the other hand, you had one that, you know, the culture of violence and the circle, the culture of violence and the circle of violence started in the house. It was on the one hand, learning how to solve your issues or what you thought was resolving your issues with a culture of violence, which of course was in the was in the old hood, versus the suburban mo model of uh, conflict resolution and you know discussing things and establishing boundaries and um, fixing issues by conversation and discussion and reason without violence, and that goes again. Both of those go back to the homes. The culture of the home is reflected in the children and how they behave outside of the house. And that ultimately affects not only the community, but society as well. So one thing we have to remember as parents is that we have to model the behaviors that we ex expect of our children. We have to set the standard, not just through discipline, through um, correction and discipline, through instruction, but also discipline through modeling that behavior, which we find acceptable. I hope that this episode helped out. I uh, hope that you've gained something from this. And tune in Sunday as we tune and we bring you another episode of Consensus Pod. I'm your host, Lady T. Thank you for joining me.